This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. This podcast is intended for entertainment and opinion. Nothing discussed is meant to be a substitute for mental health treatment. If you are experiencing a mental health crisis, please call 988 or use the resources listed in the episode description. To see the sources and other resources mentioned in this episode, you can visit psychologicallymindedpod.com. To contact me with any questions or comments about this topic or upcoming topics, email me at psychmindedpod at gmail.com. And finally, please rate and review this show on Apple Podcasts and subscribe wherever you listen to get new episodes as they post. Enjoy this episode! Hello, and welcome to Psychologically Minded. I'm your host, Grace Fowler, and today is another mini-episode on an infamous experiment in the world of psychology. This week's experiment was completed by the psychologist Harry Harlow and involved baby monkeys, so you know it's going to be a wild time. The purpose of this experiment was to explore what led to the maternal-infant bond. Was it just because the mother provided food? Was it because the mother provided comfort? What was going on there? That was Harry Harlow's original question. Now, Harlow was a psychologist who practiced in the 50s and 60s, and a lot of his experiments were on like development and these kind of caregiving questions about infants and mothers. He was a social psychologist, so he focused more on these kind of social phenomena, and he briefly worked with Abraham Maslow, who, if you're not familiar, Maslow developed this theory of the hierarchy of needs, which was a theory of talking about to, you know, help someone reach the pinnacle of self-actualization. You had to make sure that a kind of cascading scent of needs beginning with concrete survival needs up through like emotional and psychological support. You had to make sure that those were met before someone could reach self-actualization. Harlow also may have directly contributed to the animal rights and research movement due to his pretty unethical treatment of infant rhesus monkeys. That's why I said it's going to get a little bit wild. He did not just this experiment, but many experiments where he used infant monkeys and would in some way separate them from their mothers, which created a lot of distress in the animals and probably pushed uh, a lot of activists toward this, this movement of making sure that animals also had ethical and fair treatment in research as well as humans. The reason this experiment, the monkey experiment, or this specific monkey experiment, is so important is because it came at a big uh, 
crossroads in the field where uh, strictly behaviorists like B.F. Skinner had theorized that the reason that mothers and children bonded was because the mother met the infant's need through breastfeeding or providing a bottle and that that kind of delivery of a need when an infant communicates a need is desired or needs to be met, that it was purely through that mechanism that uh, an infant-mother bond developed. On the other hand, were more psychodynamic theorists and the father of attachment theory, John Bowlby, who said, no, there's more to the bond. There is this emotional, psychological component to the, to the bond and a mother and infant bond because there's comfort being given and there are like emotional regulation things happening through the process of feeding, that it's not just because a need is being met. And in, in a nutshell, this is what most battles between <laughs> behaviorists and other types of theorists look like, especially traditional behaviorists, like, like I said, B.F. Skinner. Those types of behaviorists believe that it does not matter what's going on psychologically. All behavior is a product of the environment um, impacting the person and then the person responding to the environment. It really doesn't matter what thoughts or feelings you have about the environment. All that matters is what is the outcome of the behavior. That's often referred to as like the black box theory, which is like the person is a black box. We don't know what's going on inside of them. We don't need to know what's going on inside of them. All we need to do is look at what came before, the antecedent or the environment, and what came after the consequence or the behavior. Whereas... Any, literally anyone else, literally any other type of theorist, has this idea that there are psychological processes within people that are just as important determinants of behavior as the environment. And so Harlow's experiment was a way in which he was trying to test this and actually became the foundation for uh, some of John Bowlby's experiments, which then later went on to develop attachment theory, which is one of my areas of interest. So actually, a lot of the information that I have for you today comes from my dissertation, um, because I wrote extensively about Harry Harlow's um, experiment with the infant monkeys in the, the fake monkey mothers. So you're getting a little, a little glimpse into the work that, that I have done. Um, I just mainly summarized this experiment, but it was foundational to my dissertation because um, I was working with attachment theory and you, you got to kind of demonstrate the history of attachment theory when you are talking about it in a dissertation. So without further ado, I'm going to describe the uh, experiment and then I'll talk a little bit about some of the ethical ramifications of this type of research. So the inspiration for this experiment was that Harlow had already been studying maternal isolation in monkeys. So he would take the infant monkeys and separate them from their mothers, so putting them in a separate cage or enclosure. And he noticed that when you took the infant monkeys away from their mother, they would become very possessive of the kind of cloth diaper pads that the infant monkeys were wearing that were left in their cages. So the infant monkeys were in these like very barren, like not stimulating cages and they would like cuddle the diaper pads. They would, you know, be very protective of them if something tried to take it away and they would become distressed if they were separated from their diaper pads. And so Harlow looked at that and was like, what is it that has them like attached essentially to these pieces of what we might call trash, right? <laughs> these pieces of cloth. 
And so that inspired him to set up this experiment where he constructed two fake surrogate mothers for infant monkeys that were going to be removed from their own mothers at birth. And one of the surrogate mothers was, well, they were both built out of wire, but one had a like soft terry cloth covering over it and had a light bulb like inside of it so that it was warm and cuddly. The other one was made out of just the wire. It didn't have the covering on it and it had no source of warmth at all. The first step was he took all the infant monkeys and placed them in a cage where they had both the soft terry cloth wire mother and the plain wire mother. However, one set of monkeys would get a bottle from only the wire mother and the other would other set would get a bottle from the cloth mother. It was basically just like they kind of stuck the bottle onto the like monkey mother figure and some of them got to eat from there and some of them got to eat from the other one. So even if you had the bottle from the wire mother, the soft mother was still in the cage with the, the infant monkeys. After observing the monkeys for a while, Harlow began to realize that uh, regardless of which surrogate mother the monkeys had gotten a bottle from, pretty much all the infant monkeys would seek out contact with the cloth mother the most often, the cloth warm mother, and that they would run to that figure when they were startled or needed to soothe themselves. So even if you had been an infant monkey who had been fed by the wire mother, you would still seek out comfort from the cloth warm mother. Additionally, he found that if you took the infant monkeys away from the cloth mother and put them in a new environment, they would display a lot of distress behaviors and would be unable to be fully soothed until they were reunited with the cloth mother. To Harlow, this demonstrated that the connection that a mother and a child develop is not just due to having needs met, like having a bottle be given, but has to do with the way in which the child is comforted and like soothed by the mother figure as well. He did another variation of the study where some infant monkeys only had the wire mother ever and some only had the cloth mother. And for the infant monkeys that were raised with just a wire mother only, they tended to have gastrointestinal difficulties, so they they would like have diarrhea and stuff, and would have difficulty digesting their the milk that was given to them in the bottles, while as the ones raised with just the cloth mother didn't seem to have the same types of gastrointestinal difficulties. Now, in more modern research, there is a lot more understanding that the connection between gastrointestinal difficulties and anxiety, I don't know if at the time Harlow had that understanding, but I think this is kind of like the the antecedent of our understanding in the field that anxious distress can activate the digestive system in a way that leads to difficulties with digestion or other types of gastrointestinal tract issues. So this was just another data point to suggest that not having warmth and comfort from a mother figure, and we're using mother here because it was the 50s and... <laughs> We only thought women could take care of children, apparently. Um, Not having that warmth was really quite detrimental to the development, at least of an infant monkey. If you go look up pictures of this experiment, you will see that for the monkeys that were raised in the cage that had both the wire and the cloth mother, 
but we're only getting the bottle from the wire mother, the baby monkeys will climb up onto the soft, warm mother and then try to reach across and drink from the bottle on the wire mother. So they are seeking the comfort of soft, warm mama monkey, even though they know that the wire monkey is the one that has the nutrients. So Harlow was able to conclude from his research that the lack of comfort or like love and connection really was quite damaging to the emotional, psychological, and physical development of infant monkeys. And again, set the stage for what would then become attachment theory and John Bowlby and Mary Ainsworth's work with human subjects. Now, some critiques of this study, of course, can be that it was done with monkeys. And so doing animal research is not always a one-to-one comparison with humans. So it's one thing to say that Well, a baby monkey seems to need comfort does not necessarily mean that a human child needs comfort. However, the ensuing years of research around the attachment theory does demonstrate that there is more to the connection between a human child and a human caregiver than just fulfillment of needs. That there does need to be an element of warmth and emotional connection to aid in development. I I won't go fully into it um, because attachment theory is like a big overarching theory, but there are types of attachment, of insecure attachment that can develop even when a child's needs are met consistently if there is not this element of like emotional connection between a parent and child. And the way that children learn how to regulate their emotions is through the mediation of the relationship with their parent or caregiver and the modeling of emotional regulation. I believe Bowlby and Ainsworth did some research on this. So did Mary Main, who's a big name in attachment. But there is this, there is a a phenomenon where if you are feeding an infant, whether it's bottle feeding or breastfeeding, but the making eye contact with the infant through the process of feeding is seems to be a mechanism for how children learn like emotional regulation and if you bottle feed or breastfeed an infant without making eye contact consistently that there seems to be some disruption to the development of that child's attachment style uh, without that that thing so something as simple as just like having the eye contact in during feeding and communicating like warmth and connection through that gaze can be very like that that's really fundamental to childhood development um and it's it's a small thing right it's 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 not like you have to be parent of the year you could just have to look at your child to to like get those um those benefits so yes one critique is this was done with monkeys and monkeys to humans is not always a one-to-one translation the second critique and the one that i think is a little more like relevant is that this was probably incredibly unethical in terms of treatment of monkeys. And Harlow spent his life or his professional life isolating infant monkeys from their mothers, like upon birth, like not even getting to have a, like a cuddle <laughs> from their mothers, just like instant separation. And in many of his experiments would then also totally isolate the infant monkeys from other infant monkeys or any other interaction with people or monkeys at all. Now, maternal isolation or separation studies are still done in the modern era. 
there are more rules put into place about when that can happen and justifications of like medical necessary has to be made when using the term non-human primates, which is monkeys, uh, in, in research. So there, there still seems to be a, a debate between bioethicists and researchers about when is it ethical to use uh, like chimpanzees or apes or monkeys in research, uh, particularly research that involves some sort of like detrimental consequence, like separation from maternal figures or having certain like medical treatments or injected or, you know, applied to them. Now, that's not my area of expertise. I'm not a biomedical researcher. I'm not a monkey expert either. Um, But I will say if we just draw upon principles of like ethical research, then I think that we need to really like be clear why those types of research are being done. And if there is any other possible route to get the same results, then that route needs to be taken over, you know, essentially torturing an animal or, or a participant in, in some way. And I think that what Harlow did was essentially torturing these infant monkeys. They grew up without any maternal support. They grew up without any social support. We know that primates are very social creatures. Humans are a primate. We're very social creatures. Even non-human primates, they're, they have very complex social systems. They have, you know, hierarchies and ways of governing behavior and there can be they can be very intelligent and use things like tools and communicate in you know approximations of language like these are animals that are pretty much as close as you're going to get to a human which makes sense why we do research on them because they're as close as you can get to a human with not being a human and then that raises these questions of like does the you know torture impact them in the same way that a human would because we are, you know, so close and, and from the same, you know, genus, family, or, or whatever uh, category. So while I think that the information that we learned from Harry Harlow's study is important, and it is good to know that there are more to the connection between a, a, a parent and a child than just, you know, putting Cheerios in front of them every day, but that we do need this, this like, seeking comfort and and warmth and ability to connect is important. I do think that's an important, like, scientific understanding. I don't know if it needed to be done on monkeys. (laughs) I don't don't know if he needed to have his whole career be separating monkeys from their mothers, because that is how um, Planet of the Apes starts, right? Like, Like, at least one of the newer ones, the whole thing was, like, the monkeys were in or I guess the apes were in like a research facility and they're all separated from each other and like their social system is all screwed up and then they revolt against the humans because they're being mistreated. So I don't know, maybe there's something there, you guys, about Planet of the Apes and treating non-human primates with ethical and decent behavior. There are ways to also observe this type of phenomenon without, like, physically separating an infant from its mother. There are studies that have been done on children that are 
naturally without a caregiver. So like orphaned or a caregiver has been institutionalized or some way, or we have kind of like retrospective studies on children that have gone through things like abuse or neglect where they didn't have like a typical child caregiver relationship. So we have enough evidence of these phenomenon without having to do the like prescribed or faked separation. Like we, there's enough tragedy in the world that we can study this phenomenon in in human beings without having to do anything to those human beings. So in conclusion, this experiment is important. It does have a lot to contribute to a large portion of the field that I am very interested in and, and informs a lot of my, my work. Um, and it was not a good experiment because it was very, you know, tragic for these like little, little baby monkeys that didn't have any say. And, and it's distressing for the mothers to be separated from their infants as well. So just like a lot of harm done all around, but that's how these studies go, right? Uh, it seems like everything that came out of the fifties and sixties was not super ethical, except for the doll study. (laughs) And so once again, we know things were very different in the past and that doesn't mean we can't still learn from them, but we're learning from them in multiple ways about what not to do moving forward. So I hope you enjoyed this episode. Thank you as always for listening all the way through to the end and I will see you in the next one. Bye-bye.